0: We, uh, we started this series, um, this theme for the year, uh, Roots, getting back to the basics of our faith, understanding the, the teachings of Jesus, the basic teachings of Jesus from the ground up, and uh, just kind of getting ourselves reacclimated to some degree with what it is He's called us to do, who He's called us to be, and uh, what our faith truly entails what it truly means to live for Jesus. Not necessarily um, what it means to be involved in your community, but what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be his child. What were his expectations on us? Our text for this first uh, series is Matthew chapter five. And this morning we're gonna read Matthew chapter five verses three through 11. If you'd stand with me as we read God's word this morning. Jesus is speaking, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. You may be seated. That last one, by the way, is going to be very interesting when we get into that. Um, Those who are persecuted for my sake. Now, we've started uh, this series off going through the Beatitudes. We're gonna be going through the the Sermon on the Mount. We're gonna be hitting a lot of the points of the Sermon on the Mount. We've started with the Beatitudes. And I wanna remind you of a few things because we started this particular message last Sunday and laid the foundation. We're gonna finish it up today. And the Beatitudes are, uh, are... four or uh, eight statements that Jesus made to his followers about what it means to truly be happy as a follower of Jesus or truly be blessed in your life, truly be one who is living the way he has called us to live. And I want to remind you what, we, what I said at the very beginning, that this isn't a blueprint for morality. Okay, this is not a blueprint for morality. If we make it a blueprint for morality, then what we're saying is, what Jesus would be saying is anybody who follows these, anybody who, who, who lives according to these eight, uh, eight statements will be happy in the Lord, but that's just not true. Because we know that our works, our good works, our good living, our good life, uh, while it may be good to me, it may make you a great part of the community, it may make you uh, loved and, and uh, welcomed in many circles, It does nothing for your eternal soul. So he's not talking about morality that would get you to heaven. What this is, is a statement, a series of statements that defines the character and conduct of a true follower of Jesus. This is supposed to be normal. (laughs) This is supposed to be normal. This is supposed to be what we as followers of Jesus live like. This is the person that we're supposed to be presenting to the world. These are, th- this kind of living, this kind of action and attitude is how we are, to, are supposed to be presenting ourselves to others. This, I know we, we have bad days. Uh, we all have bad days. I'm hoping that later on this afternoon, I don't have a bad day, <laughs> okay? Um, oh, jeez. there's always gonna be, well, Lord, heal this child heal this child, Lord. There's always going to be two or three in the crowd, but um, we all have bad days and we all struggle with things. We all have differences or, or, or we all have devastating times in our lives. We truly do. And it doesn't say that if you live this way, and if, you ha- if these are the characteristics and qualities of your life, that you're going to be trouble-free that you're going to be able to know how to handle every situation, that you're going to rise like this. I love that last song still. doesn't mean that you're going to be rising above every storm and never be touched by anything. What it means is that the life you live is going to be consistent and consistently faithful and a consistent testimony no matter what happens because we can't control what comes our way. We can't control what happens in life. We can't control how people feel about us. Those of you who have been through divorce or you've been through rough family situations, you know that you can't control how somebody else feels about you. You just, you just can't control that. You can live the way you're called to live and that, that, that foundation of life, that foundation of purpose and principle that Jesus has called us to live by is what will help us endure the difficult times, the storms, and will also keep us level and even keeled when you ever had those times where you just want to rejoice so much that you feel like you're walking above the clouds? Well, and that, that's great. I think we celebrate those times. I think those times are, are times that we live for as Christians, but we also need to remember that we, need to be, we, we don't need to be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good right? So Jesus is saying, this is the way you keep yourself grounded in your faith. This is the way you live. These are the things that you, that you understand about yourself. Eight simple principles to understand and know about what this life is going to be like, what is ahead for you, what is going on. Now, quick review, the word blessed here uh, means Happy, happier, supremely blessed, well off, and if you remember I said it can be said that the blessed individual Jesus is talking about here is wealthy in happiness. I think it's a great. I think it's a great explanation of this word blessed. If you if you understand these and live according to these and allow Jesus to uh, to be uh, your guide and purpose in life, you can be wealthy. In happiness in life. There are eight and we've divided them into two two groups of four and we'll uh, be covering them as we go along. The first message we talked about was the poor in spirit. And we said that that speaks of those who understand they have a great need for God. There's a great need in their life for God. The second one we started talking about last week was blessed or happy are those who mourn. And these are those who realize a great brokenness in life. And not just a great brokenness in life, but an inability of our, within ourselves to fix that brokenness. An inability, the inability that we have to put ourselves back together. And these two characteristics of a follower of Jesus work together to form our character and to set our productive, fruitful growth for God's kingdom now, while Jesus was referring to our great need when he said that we're happy because we're poor in spirit, the next statement he tells us that we should, happy because, we should be happy because we, are more, we mourn. And that's just a, that, that's an odd statement to make, especially, I mean, think about this. Jesus is here and he's, he's trying to convince followers, trying to convince people to follow him. He's trying to get people to follow him. And he says, okay, folks, if you mourn, you're going to be extremely extremely happy and blessed in in, in happiness. Your happiness is going to rise in life and, and it's going to be a foundational piece of your life. And I find that to be, First of all, I think that's kind of, it's a different way. I wouldn't say strange or odd, but it's a different way to try to convince people. But I think what Jesus was doing, exactly what we said three weeks ago when we started this series, he was setting the bar and setting the expectation. Listen, if you follow me, it's not going to be easy. If you follow me, it's not going to be a walk in the park. We're not gonna be sitting down uh, with, with rose petals all around us, eating your favorite flavor of ice cream and strumming harps. And, and just singing praise and worship all day and clapping our hands in rhythm. That's not what this life is about. This life is going to be difficult. This road is going to be hard. This road is going to be tough. It's like the, the is it Robert Frost, the, the road less traveled? It's going to, the, this path that you're going to walk is the walk that most people don't choose. Even, even Christians, not the, 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 I'd say a good percentage of Christians don't choose to walk this way he says, this is the secret to fulfillment and happiness. When we break down life, you know, right now we're, we're looking at some difficult times in our society, aren't we? Aaron and I went a little sh- went shopping yesterday and we're trying to catch up. We're trying to get, get on track here because there's two more in the house and it's six now and, and they're not babies, they're teenagers and so we're, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to adjust. And rather than going to the grocery store every day, we're trying to do that what normal families do and shop, you know, two weeks for, for two weeks or whatever. And we went to, we were, we were in the area, I had to get pellets over at uh, Lowe's in Springfield. So we ran over to the Walmart on Boston Road. And wow, I went, w- we went over to the meat section and it was like empty, it was empty. Like, wow, this is interesting. And we walked through some of the aisles in the pasta aisle. The pasta aisle was empty. It was amazing. It was just amazing. And you know, now if you want chicken wings for your party tonight, some places have put that chicken wings are seasonal rate right now. <laughs> seasonal rate for chicken wings, man. That's that's crazy. This is a weird time. This is a strange time. And this is a time where not just, not just your, your resolve as a parent or a human being is challenged. I mean, we're, there's revolts going on around the country, around the world right now. This is a, resol- this is a time where your resolve as a follower of Jesus is challenged. These are the kind of times that he spoke about here, that even in the difficult times, you will be happy and blessed. Not because you have a lot of everything. Think about it. Now, I'm, we're, we're very fortunate because at Autumn is in the, the uh, auditorium here this morning. And the other three, um, all, four of my, all four of my kids right now, they love ramen, okay? They love ramen. I'm like, you four are weird people, man, okay? The only people that love ramen usually are college students who can't afford anything else, right? And you heat it up. I don't know what they do nowadays, but back when I was in college, we had the, somebody in the, in the dorm room had... Um, Remember the, the, the popcorn poppers where the bottom would get hot? I see people look at me like, what are you talking about? We had microwaves. No, we didn't have microwaves. And you'd have to, it, you couldn't regulate the temperature, and you'd have to put something on there to get the water hot so you can make your ramen. So, and ramen's cheap, so, you know, that was the whole point of that story, but let's move on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we may be, and I'm not, I'm not being a doomsayer, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but We may be ahead, we may have more diff, in even more difficult times ahead of us with the way things are going in this world. It may become much, much worse. Gas prices may continue to rise and that will put a crimp in the average American family's lifestyle. But what do you do as a Christian when these things happen? As a follower of Christ, when those difficult times come, Jesus said, You can be even keeled. You can be level. You can continue to be faithful and strong and understand how supremely blessed you are. And you can be wealthy in happiness, even though you may not be wealthy in anything else. You can be wealthy in happiness because you're following me the way I said you should follow me. And that's what these Beatitudes are about. Now, we did start on. Uh, the second one: happier are those who mourn. And what he was saying here is, those who mourn are happy because they understand their great brokenness. And that, as itself, in itself, may seem like a a strange way to try to win people over. But there was a point and a purpose to his statement. Understanding that you are a great, you have a great brokenness in your life. The word mourn here means to experience deep grief. Just as if you lose a family member or we we were, we were blessed uh, to be able to help a family. There was a, a fire right, right around the corner here, Franconia circle uh, a, wee, a little over a week ago and a, uh, a woman lost her house. And in the process, her cat got out 15 year old cat, her, her, you, those of you who have pets and love your pets, you know what they mean. And nobody could find the cat. Well, guess where the cat showed up? <laughs> On the Chase's back porch. And one of our cats, Maxie, because those of you who don't know, we have a zoo. Uh, Maxie at 2.30 in the morning, one morning, started this guttural growl. and I, I was like, what in the world? Did, did a bobcat get in the house? So, I, Aaron went down and, and I was going down to get something. So, she went down and checked it out, and, and then it was fine. The next night, same thing. And I walked over the window, and here's this cat scratching at our door and ran away. So, we started putting food out. And, long story short, yesterday afternoon, Autumn goes out, and now she's got battle wounds from, uh, from Cookie, was the cat's name, from getting Cookie. But we were able to reunite. Cookie, our family was able to reunite Cookie with her owner. And you would not believe the text message because they were like the, the neighborhood was looking for this guy. And we started getting messengers and, and, te- and, and uh, text messages. Thank you so much. They're so happy you're having a party. I mean, it's, it, it was great. Great joy and happiness. The same as the, the, in, the, in the, the story of the prodigal son that Jesus told when the son comes home, the happiness, the father forgot everything that the boy had ever done. And he welcomed the boy back with great love and compassion because he was so extremely blessed. We are, set, we are told that we will be blessed and enormously and, well, and, and very wealthy in our happiness if we understand our brokenness. Why? 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 That's the big question, right? Why? To mourn for your sin and your sinful condition has a profound effect on the life you live and the activities and goals that you pursue. The effect of our mourning is very interesting. Jesus says, Happier those who mourn because they will be comforted. This particular word has the idea of benefit, uh, idea of a benefit in life from mourning. And that word comfort means encouraged and strengthened. And then it takes a turn. You as an individual, you as a follower of Christ, when you understand your brokenness, when you bring your brokenness to Jesus, and we're going to talk about how to do that. When you bring your brokenness to when you understand that you are broken to such a degree and you can't fix yourself, the only one that can is Jesus. When you get that, when you understand it, when you bring it to him, the Bible says, as you begin to work through that, you will be encouraged. There will be encouragement in your life. You will be strengthened. Those times where you just feel like you can't take another step in your walk with Jesus because you've taken so many hits, because you've been attacked, because you've been defeated, because you've been talked about, because things just haven't worked out, because friends have abandoned you. And Jesus says, you'll be encouraged. I will encourage you. I will encourage you. And then it makes the turn. After you're encouraged and strengthened, it's like what he said, to, remember what he said to Peter? He said, Peter said, Lord, I'll never deny you. The night before Jesus was crucified, he said, he said Lord, I'll never deny you. Never, ever. And, and then that night he pulls out his sword and he cut off Malchus's ear. And Jesus kind of shook his head. I can just see Jesus kind of shaking his head like, whatever, Peter, pick the ear up, put it back on. (sighs) Peter said, Lord, I'll never deny you. Jesus said, Peter, before the rooster crows three times, you'll deny me three times. And Bible says that Peter was incredibly broken when, when that realization hit him. And Jesus said in that same statement, he said, but when you are restored, encourage your brothers and sisters. See, that's the big payoff. That's the big payoff. When we understand our brokenness and we bring our brokenness to him, Jesus begins to heal our lives. Man, you need, you need to deal with the trauma you've been through. You need to deal with the, the hurt you've been through. You need to deal with whatever it is that you've been through, the religious abuse, the church abuse, whatever it is you've been through, you begin to deal with that. You begin to give it to Jesus. And as you face that, and as he faces it with you, and as you start to work through that, you get stronger. You get more encouraged. And you begin to trust him more. And that's the secret. First of all, that's the secret to any relationship, right? Trust, a marriage, a friendship, parental-child relationships, trust is the basis of any relationship. What's the same thing with Jesus? We need to be able to trust him. And I I know that we'll say, well, he's the creator of all things. He's the God of all things. But you're talking about your life. And he understands that. That's why he became human and came down here and lived among us to experience life that we experience. So Jesus knows the hurt and the pain and the hunger and the frustration and all the things that you go through. He understands what it's like to see that in action. He understands what it's like to be human. He never sinned. He was tempted, but he was tired. He was worn out. He was hungry. He went nights without sleep. And he, he experienced all these. So he knows what you're going through. And as he helps you through that, and as you begin to be strengthened because you learn to trust him more, and as you trust him more, guess what happens? As you trust him more because Jesus is healing parts of your life, guess what happens when you begin to trust him more? You start to give him more of your hurt. You start to give him more of your brokenness. And those parts of your life that are locked doors, hidden away that nobody is going to to get to, that even your spouse will not, uh, does not know about. The only people that you know about it are you and Jesus. You begin to say, okay, Jesus, you've brought me this far. Let me crack this door a little bit and let the monsters out a little bit and see what we can do about this. And you start to trust him more and more And well, listen, man, I'm 59 years old and there are still monsters in the closet that I'm allowing Jesus to heal me from. I'm still still overcoming things in my life, even at the age of 59. Because we all have scars, we all have wounds, we all have struggles, we're all broken people. Okay, So that's what he's talking about here. And the bonus here is that once you're encouraged, once you're strengthened, this word comfort means to then exhort and teach. To exhort and teach. So you begin the healing process. You begin to be strengthened. You begin to be encouraged. You begin to grow. And then what happens? The giving living cycle starts to kick in. And you start encouraging others like Jesus said to Peter to do you start to teach others listen man if you are a believer who has walked with Jesus and you consider yourself mature and you've learned how to deal with these things and you're not reaching out to other believers and you're not holding them when I say accountable I'm not talking about going to them and pointing out everything in their life but if you're not called listen we're at a we're in a very strange state in the church overall but in our church as well because we don't really know how many people we have in our church right now. We really don't. I don't know how many people uh, we truly have. People ask me that and I say, I, I just don't know. I know who shows up on Sundays and there's a different crowd, You know, two or three different crowds with some, some steady people, but two or three different crowds throughout the, throughout the month. And, and I know many people who show up, and, but there are, there are over triple digits of views every week. Right, Zach? It, on, our, on our Facebook, and then the podcast, uh, well, now we don't, we don't count the people in Europe and Asia that, that listen to our podcast, but um, people in our area that download our podcast and listen to the sermon, uh, we don't know how many people aren't coming out because of COVID, still here. We, we, don't, we just don't know. But what we do know is that everybody who's been a new lifer for any length of time And if, especially if you were a new lifer before COVID hit and you've been here through COVID, you know people that have been new lifers through the whole process that haven't been here. Guess what it's your responsibility to do, broken Christian that's healing? It's now your responsibility as you have proven Jesus in your life. It's your responsibility to now reach out and to encourage your brothers and sisters. And that's why we have uh, men's and women's groups on Wednesday night. That's why we have uh, the the men meet every other Saturday. That's why we have our handshaking time here. That's why we have uh, that's why we have coffee and there's donuts back there and and that's why we like to talk and get to know people because we want to build relationships that can help each other out. That's our responsibility as followers of Christ, to help each other, to encourage each other. As you become, I won't say less broken, as you become more healed, is that, I don't know, Donna, is that good English? Probably not, right? More healthy, thank you, Jeremy. As you become more healthy as a Christian, as the healing process continues, you become more healthy as a Christian, you are now called to give back and to help others to heal, That's our calling, that's our mission, that's one of our purposes, is to strengthen and help each other and help each other grow and become stronger. And I'll tell you what, man, you wanna know what one of the greatest things you can do in a local church is from a pastor who's been in ministry for 40 years, I think. Be an encourager. Hey, listen, we don't need another Bible scholar. Hey, you want to sit down and discuss the deep things of the Bible? My dad's still around. He's got his doctorate in theology. My dad, more than happy to talk with you. Okay? And I'm not saying that there aren't places to teach and things like that. There always will be opportunities like that. But I'll tell you what the church needs more than anything else is followers of Jesus who have understood their brokenness, who have begun to become healthier Christians to now be encouragers to those who are weak. Just be an encourager. Give somebody a phone call. Send them a text message. There's so many ways to get to know. There's so many ways to get connected with people. Zach messaged me this week and out of the blue, out of the blue, not gonna go into detail, okay? But out of the blue, he got a text message from a situation that was very difficult, very tough, and hurt him deeply. I know because he's my son and we talked about it. And I was so, so proud and so impressed and just grateful for not my, not my associate pastor, associate for my son as a man of God, who wrote back and got that conversation going to try to restore a brother in Christ. Man, that, that is our wheelhouse. That is where we live. That is what we should be doing, Christian. New lifer, that's what we should be doing. You wanna, wanna find out how many people we might have in church? Call somebody. And, hey, you know what? I missed you this past Sunday. We really do miss you at New Life. Those of you who are watching online who just don't have the, uh, the, the, uh, the strength right now uh, or, or the faith in, in what's going on to come out, I'm so thankful we have this medium so you can watch us online. But man, we miss you. We miss you here. We truly do miss you here. Every one of you, every one of you. So that's what it means. And until you understand what it means to be healed, you'll never understand what it means to truly encourage someone who needs that healing. So we started talking about this. And the first thing we said, we must understand that except about this whole process is we must understand that we are broken because of sin. And we went through a whole long thing about what it means to be broken because of sin. We are broken because of sin. Whether we like it or not, whether you want to admit it or not, whether it offends you or not, you're broken because of sin. It's understanding that we are not okay in our current state and that we need to change and we can't make the changes that we need to make without help that will begin the healing process. Second thing we said was we must accept that while our sin is forgiven, our brokenness persists. While our sin is forgiven, and if you've accepted Christ as your savior, your sins have been forgiven. The Bible says your sin is as far as the east is from the west. I believe John 10, 28 through 30 tells us that once you accept Christ as your savior, you are eternally secure in the hands of Jesus. And Jesus, he says, I, I'm in the hands of God. I and the father are one. Nobody can take you out of my hands. Romans 8, 35 through 39, the Bible says, where can we go to be separated from the love of God? And he goes through a long list of things and neither height nor depth nor any other thing, any other created being, and any other created being, if you, if you really meditate on that and dig into that, when he says any other created being, you know who I believe he, that, that God inspired Paul to write that about is? Us. You are a created being. No created being, that means you. You cannot separate yourself from the love of God. So we've got to accept that while our sin is forgiven, our brokenness persists. And that brings us to the next point. Because of our brokenness, because of all of this, because we understand all of this, there are issues that must be addressed. There are issues that must be addressed. If we're going to overcome our brokenness, if we're going to deal with our brokenness, if we're going to begin to heal and start that process, and if we're going to be in a point in our lives where we can say, I am overflowing and I am wealthy in happiness, then I've got to understand that there are some issues that must be addressed. The first thing is this. God never intended for us to be left in our sin. It was not his intention. It is not, and it was not, and it never has been God's intention that you as a human being Be left in your sin. Now, if you want to go through the whole theology of the sin process, sin began when when, uh, Lucifer... Uh, rebelled against God and said, I will be like the most high God. He rebelled. A third of the angels of heaven rebelled against God and there was war in heaven and God threw them all out of heaven, threw them down to the earth. He, Lucifer, became Satan and that's when sin started and God placed judgment on sin. Sin was eternally, uh, in, the the judgment on sin was death and eternal separation from God in a place called hell. And then he created mankind and humanity walked right into the trap now the trap was made by satan but human beings walked right into that trap and we walk right into that trap every day don't we we walk walk right into the trap of sin every day we truly do the difference between us and lucifer is that god judged lucifer and lucifer doesn't have a second chance. That may not seem fair to you, but let me just say this. He had access to the throne of God. Lucifer and those angels that followed him know what we only dream about. They know for fact what we, only, we can only imagine. That song uh, by Mercy Me, I Can Only Imagine, do you ever let your mind wander? about what heaven is going to be like? Well, Lucifer doesn't have to imagine because he knew what heaven, and he knows what heaven is like. There was no excuse. So God did not create a way out for the angels. He had judgment, but the judgment on sin was placed there. When humanity walked right into that trap, the judgment on sin now fell on humanity the difference between us and the fallen angels is that God provided a way out. And that was Jesus Christ being the sacrificial lamb, the perfect sacrifice, the one and only sacrifice that could be made, one sacrifice for sins forever. Once you accept that, once you receive him as your savior, the Bible says that your sins are forgiven and you are now uh, put back into relationship with God the Father, with Jesus Christ, with the Trinity. And that relationship is beginning, it has been repaired at its base and it will now be continually repaired as we move forward. God never intended for you to be left in your sin. And today, those of you who struggle, you struggle with addiction, you struggle with anger you struggle with worthlessness you struggle with those things that hold you back god never intended you to be left in those things he never intended you to be left in the struggle that you face every day he never left he he never intended you to be left in the aftermath and the rubble of trauma he never intended for you to be left in the aftermath and the rubble of a broken marriage. He never intended for you to be left in the rubble and the trauma and the, the backlash and the aftermath of a life of, uh, that you chose to walk a different direction. He never, left, he, he never meant for you to be left in, the, in the, the rubble and the brokenness of a horrible childhood. He has never... It has never been his intention that humanity be left in their sin or in the results of sin that you were brought into. And let me just say this, because this just, this goes right through me. When people, when people would come to me, especially when I was a youth pastor, some of my workers would come to me and they'd say, oh, I've got uh, you know, so-and-so kid, he started to open up to me. He's gonna be my project right? Oh, goes right through me, man. You are nobody's project. Let me tell you here at New Life, we don't have projects. We're not, we're, you're not anybody's project here. You're a child of God. You're a broken child of God, just like the rest of us. And we are here to help you. We're here to help you, just like you're here to help me. Just like you're here to help my family. Just like you're here to help my parents. Just like you're here to help each other. We're not projects. We're children of God. God never intended us for us to be left in our sin. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses 19 through 20 says, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. That's his great desire for humanity, that we be reconciled to him. That we not stay in our sinful state. That we not stay in the rubble. Some of you, uh, you, every day, the reason you stumble, the reason you trip, the reason you fall, is because you're tripping over the rubble of a broken life that you haven't allowed him to fix yet. And you stay in that brokenness, and you stay in that rubble, and you, 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 you kick, and you scream, and you fight, and you mourn the fact that you're there, but you never mourn the fact that it's broken and realize that Jesus can fix it. You never apply the solution. You never apply the medication of the word of God. You never apply the healing balm that he's given to you. His desire is for you to leave the brokenness behind and to be walking forward in healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh man, as you, as you walk down that road, there may be some, some more uh, New England winter roads on the way, right? There may be some slippery spots. There may be some of those potholes. There may be some bridge out warnings. But he's there to help you through because it's his intention that you be healthy. It's his intention that you be healed and be fixed by His grace. Accepting that truth begins the healing process. Understand that. Acknowledging that you're broken, let me say this the right way. Hope you understand what I'm saying. Acknowledging that we're broken, well, that's become the easy part today, right? That's become easy in our society everybody's a victim, right? Everybody, we've got this victim mentality. Everybody's offended by everything in life. Everything is is offensive and everybody's a victim. So admitting that you're broken, actually in today's society, is a pretty easy thing. Accepting the fact that your brokenness can be healed by yielding to Jesus Christ, then that's what begins the healing process. Not the acknowledgement, the acceptance of the process. You can continue to wallow in your misery, you can continue to sit there and, and say, this is what happened, this is what happened, this is what happened, I'm this way because of this, I'm this way because of that. Okay, we get it, I get it, Jesus gets it, you're broken. Good, good, good that you admit that. But now accept the fact that you can be healed. Accept the fact that he wants to take that brokenness. Listen, sometimes he's not gonna, listen to this, sometimes he's not gonna put that back together. Sometimes he's gonna clear it out of the way. Because sometimes some of your brokenness doesn't need to be healed. It needs to disappear. You don't need to heal a dysfunctional life. You got that? You don't need to heal a dysfunctional life. You need to wipe away a dysfunctional life. That needs to be cleared away. Some of, you are start, some of you are trying desperately to fix the dysfunction that you were raised in by making that dysfunction be what you now live in. Remember what we said, dysfunction doesn't breed function. You, they tell addicts, In order to to move forward, you've got to change people, places, and things, right? Change people, places, and things. Don't think you're going to stop drinking by testing yourself down at the bar every day. Not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Don't think you're going to stop taking those pills that take away the pain. And I'm not talking about the physical pain. I'm talking about the emotional pain. Don't think you're going to get rid of that by going to hanging out with the people that sell those pills to you by putting them on the count. By, I've, I've heard some people, they, have, they, they put, their, they put the, the thing that tempts them so much right on the windowsill where they can see it every day. Listen, maybe for one in a million people that works. I think that's incredibly stupid. Listen, man, I don't want... It. I'm trying to lose weight. Hopefully, as they open up surgeries, I get my stomach cut out here pretty soon, and I'll be a figment of my own imagination. Okay, right? That's my goal. But... Let me tell you what I don't do. I don't, if you've been a part of New Life Church for any length of time, you know that I love Oreo cookies, right? When I had, when I had my right foot fused uh, almost three years ago, this church showed the love, man, with like 11 packs of various Oreo cookies. And the the funny thing is (laughs) they didn't last. Uh, you know what I'm saying they didn't last, man, and uh body by oreo and, and I'm telling you man i don't go i i I was in a store yesterday i'm looking around and and we're we're not having a party at our house this is serious business the the Super Bowl. uh the rams are in it it happens very rarely, so it's it's like a, it's like a uh, uh, one of those crazy lunar eclipses once in a millennium. That's the Rams in the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's even, even less frequent when they win. But I'm looking at things to buy and I'm walking by the double Stuff Oreos. Well, man, that's manna from heaven. That is manna from heaven. And I'm having, be, I'm having to be Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. No, I'm not gonna buy Oreos and leave them on the counter just to prove that I can stay away from them. Because pretty soon that's going to be called John, John. And the milk is going to be joining and singing in harmony, right? (laughs) Oh, man. You don't leave temptation in the way. That's what I mean. you got to get that out of your life. Get it out of the way. Accepting. Begins the healing process. We've got to get moving. Colossians 2, verses six through eight. So then just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened to the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ, We are helpless to fix ourselves, not just for salvation, but for everything in life. You're helpless to fix yourself. You need the grace of God. You need the grace of God. You cannot fix yourself. Dysfunction creates dysfunction, and function creates function. Listen to this. Godly choices develop godly habits, attitudes, and actions. Godly choices develop godly habits, attitudes, and actions. And here's here's something big, man, a little catchphrase. Consistency creates credibility. Consistency creates credibility. You want to be credible? You want to be able to go to somebody and say, hey, man, we miss you in church, love to see back. You know, you better be somebody that when they come to church, they know is going to be here. Because if you're calling somebody and saying, hey, missed you in church, and they come back to you and say, well, who are you? I haven't seen you here for two years. Um, You don't have any credibility. So consistency in life creates credibility. The function that you build on determines the results you get. That's why I say you can't, build on dysfunction. Dysfunction has to go away. The function that you build on will determine the results you get. How do we combat our brokenness? By taking a practical approach to growth. Admit your lack and accept his help. Take a practical approach. Admit your lack and accept his help. James uh, 1, five through eight. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, He should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting for the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Everybody is in this boat. Everybody is in this boat. Anybody ever raised teenagers? Or should I say, the know-it-alls of the world? Whew. You ever look back at yourself when you were a teenager and think, my gosh, was I an idiot? Jeez, like, I'd like to go back in time and smack my old self in the head. Like, dude, what would you think? There's so many lessons you could have learned if you'd have just not thought that you knew everything. Well, Christian, you don't know everything. We're all in this boat. Listen, can I be honest with you? I might be able to help you with some Bible verses and some principles and some stories and a listening ear, but I don't know how to fix your brokenness except for you to go to God in prayer and say, Lord, I'm broken, I need your healing. Would you please lead me? There, is, there are people who can help you out in situations like that. And I believe that if you open yourself up and ask God for wisdom and ask him for healing, he will bring people into your life that can speak to those things in your life and help you deal with them. But it begins with you admitting the fact that you don't know what you don't know and that God does. So admit your lack and accept his help. By making a conscious acknowledgement of your need, I'm gonna jump to Romans 1 and two. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may discern what is the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. Make that conscious acknowledgement. God, I'm here, here I am. Here's my life. Such as it is, I present my life to you, my body, everything about me. Lord, I lay down at your feet. I am a broken vessel in need of healing. Here I am, Lord. How else do we combat our brokenness? Tough one, by changing your mind. We combat our brokenness by changing our mind. First Peter 1.13, therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 8. Here's a tough one, man. Here's a tough one. It's, it's, it's very practical in its simplicity, but in actively putting this into practice, it's incredibly difficult. Finally, brethren, uh, <laughs> brethren's, finally brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Remember as a teenager, the the uh, computers were just coming out, right? And as I grew up, uh, got older and older, uh, people were talking about how computers give results and The garbage in, garbage out, right? A computer will only give you the answers that you, uh, based on the stuff that you put in. And your mind is the same way. You can't expect great results, pure results from a mind that you have filled with trash. So fill your mind with good things. And here in, in Philippians 4, 8, Paul gives us a list of things to put the thought processes in the books we read, the magazines we see, where we go on the internet, guys, ladies, If you can't handle it, put a filter on your computer so that you don't go to those sites. Have an accountability partner. Do something like that, right? What you put into your mind is what's gonna come out of your life. This last one is this. By actively tearing down strongholds. By actively tearing down strongholds. What is a stronghold? Hebrews 12, one and two. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What is a stronghold? right back there in verse one, every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares you. Every one of you in those deep places of your life, those secret places of your life know exactly what that is, don't you? You know exactly what it is that will make you fall if you allow it. So put it away, put it aside. Give it to Jesus and say, Jesus, please, please get me away from these situations, that may mean giving up some friendships. That may mean avoiding certain places. That may mean changing your route to work and back home because you don't want to drive by that store. That's what it may mean. But if you want to tear down strongholds in your life, then you've got to begin to lay aside the things that so easily ensnare you. Why? Because 2 Peter 2.19 says, they promised them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them. That's heavy right there. Whatever it is in your life that defeats you, whatever it is in your life that you can never get over, whatever it is in your life that constantly calls you to fall, you are a slave to that. So give it to Jesus. So admit that you have a problem. Admit that you have an issue. And take that brokenness to Jesus. Start talking to a brother or sister in Christ that you can trust and say, hey, you may not not even be comfortable yet telling them what the issue is but maybe just sitting down and talking with somebody and say, hey, listen, I got a real struggle in my life. Can you pray for me? Can you talk with me? I don't wanna get into specifics right now, but can, you just, can I just talk with you, a Christian person about, about godly things? Can we maybe talk about the Bible together? Maybe read scriptures together and pray together. And you don't have to, uh, I think that's one of the, one of the down, down, uh, sides to accountability partners you don't need to bear your whole life to somebody, you need to bear your life to him, okay? You could talk with someone about brokenness without being specific because being specific with other people is what holds a lot of people back from dealing with it. You gotta, gotta, gotta come down. We gotta, we gotta get to the root of your problem. I don't have to get to the root of any problem of yours, okay? That's not my responsibility. Jesus wants to get to the root of your problem. He's the one. Listen, if you can find somebody you can trust and, and you can talk with them and you feel comfortable opening up, what, usually, what, what happens many times with accountability partners is those relationships sever and now talk starts, right? Hey, let me tell you about so-and-so. You think he's such a godly man? You think she's such a godly woman? I got the 411 or the, is that one Is that information? Used to be, Yeah. I got the down low, the low down. I got the information. So I think we have to be very careful who we trust. You know who I don't have to be careful about trusting? Jesus. He's the one I can go to with all my brokenness. Why must they be torn down? Because you're vulnerable to temptation, sin, and moral failure. Something I talk with, our, uh, our pastoral staff, something I talk about with pastors I talk with, younger guys that are going into ministry, younger ladies that are going into ministry, husbands and wives. Listen, don't think that just because you're gonna be working in a church that there's not gonna be temptation. Man, there is a, there is a, the, there is a list. You can go online on major websites and get a list of celebrity pastors and pastor's wives who have fallen into moral corruption and failure. No, there's nothing glorious about that. There's nothing, there's nothing that brings glory to the honor of God's kingdom for that. Quite honestly, that's arrogance, foolishness, and stupidity for a leader. I'm, and I'm just telling you, not necessarily for a new believer, but if you've risen, if people have put their trust in you to be a leader of a church, and you're so arrogant that you put yourself in situations, then you're just stupid. Stupid. Truly, truly, I, I value my reputation. I value my marriage. I value this church. I value my, my, uh, my relationship with Jesus Christ. I do not, it, sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes you, have to, you, sometimes you have to take stands that just aren't popular with people. But man, I don't want to see my reputation destroy the work of God. I'd rather see it build. Not only will it affect you and your life, it will affect others. So it goes just beyond us. There's a whole bunch of verses that we're not gonna get to because of time. Begin to live as a person who is free. Christian, can I, can I give, maybe, it, maybe it'll help to hear it from somebody. As a pastor, you have the permission to live as a free child of God. You have permission to pursue a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. You have permission to deal with the struggle and the difficulties and the brokenness in your life and to allow God to begin the healing process. You have permission to do that. You don't have to, you don't have to wait for the light to turn green you have permission. Galatians 6.1, Paul said, some, this is something so simple. For freedom, Christ set us free. Isn't that simple? It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Let's put that into, into our, our words Say, It is for freedom that men and women serve this country in the military, that men and women have laid down their lives in battle or laid down their lives in hot zones. It's for your freedom that they have done that. And that's just a human example. Jesus Christ sets you free from the power of sin so that you can live free. So start to live free. Change your mental state. Change your attitude. Change the actions. Change what needs to be changed. People, places, things, whatever needs to change, change it. Begin to read the word. Begin to apply the word. Begin to allow that healing of Jesus Christ to take root in your life and bring function to your spirit. Mourning your brokenness has a God-ordained purpose that will bring a God-blessed result for your life. Only you can determine whether your potential for the kingdom of God will be reached. Only you. It begins with mourning and accepting your brokenness and to allow, allowing the healing to begin in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the privilege again of being in your house. God, nowadays, we, don't, we, we can't take that for granted, Lord, not in these times. Thank you for that. Father, thank you for your word and how it's so clear to us. If we'll just read it and dig into it and then uh, attempt, uh, allow you to, to uh, get into our minds and our thinking and to change our perspectives. And thank you, Lord, for your healing. Father, I pray for every individual here in this auditorium today and all those who are watching online, all those who will see this at some point or listen to it at some point. Father, would you you give us the courage to accept the fact and the permission that you give us to live free? Lord, it's gonna be difficult. For some people, they, they don't even know what freedom looks like. They don't even understand that. So God, you know the steps that have to be taken. You know where all this begins. But God, I pray that you will begin that process. I pray that we will be open to it because we all know, Lord, that it doesn't begin until we open ourselves up to it. So God, would you give the grace and the courage and the confidence for all of us to take that first step? And God, then would you prove yourself to us all? God, for those who are here that are struggling, for those who are watching, that are struggling dealing with things, God, I pray that you will continue the healing process in their life. God, thank you for uh, what you, the, the miracle you've done in my mother and I thank you that she'll hopefully be coming home this week. And uh, God, I pray that you'll continue that process and just like you've begun to heal and continue the, the physical healing process in her, God, would you grant that healing process in the spiritual lives of your children? God, God, Heal new life. Heal those who are are broken here and who are struggling and those who are uh, struggling with the decision whether whether or not to come back. God, I pray that you will bless us all as we go forward this week. Father, may we go out as worshipers. May we go out as people of purpose. God, may every door that we come to have a peace from you about either being open or closed. And may we walk through every open door. Thank you, Lord, we love you so much. In your name we pray, amen.